Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next hour and a half, we will be talking sports and having some fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash Pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash Pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant. And and you can follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant. G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant. Send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant. You can also send messages to the show via the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. We can chat it up, we can talk it up, and we can talk sports and have a good time doing it. Expected today to be joined by former Major League Baseball player Wes Chamberlain. And Wes has a new book out in the game. And Wes played six years in Major League Baseball, but played a long time in Japan as well. So he played a long time uh, playing baseball. Didn't stop until about 2004. So the guy has played a lot of baseball. So we're going to talk to him about his new book, talk to him about what's going on with him now, and also talk to him about the 1993 Phillies. And 1993 Phillies, what, 30 years, 20 years since the 1993 Phillies were upon us. And, wow, it's a long time. That was a crazy bunch of guys. If you were in the Philadelphia area, if you were a fan of the Philadelphia Phillies, you remember that, truly, truly. I mean, that was an interesting time. The Phillies were fun. The 93 Phillies were fun. They were fun. They were a fun group. They didn't win, but they were fun. They got close, but they were fun. And I'm going to talk about that with Wes as well. Let's get started now. A lot of great day of sports. Great day to be alive. I mean, you have college football, a lot of great games in college football today. The SEC, I mean, is there a college football conference like the SEC? No, it's not. It's competitive. Each game is a battle. Each week, there's something different. Each week, I mean, these teams just beat on each other. They just beat on each other in the SEC. They just beat on each other. They, they really do. I mean, and this week is no different. Alabama and Ole Miss, you know, I mean, that's going to be big. Georgia, LSU, that's going to be big. I mean, it's just so much to watch. You got a lot of great college football today. Ohio State, Wisconsin. 
you know, just a lot of games to digest on this Saturday afternoon. Notre Dame, Oklahoma. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. A lot of great games in college football today. And it has to start in the SEC. Alabama, Ole Miss, that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a big one. Ole Miss, 21st in the country. Alabama, the number one team in this country. The number one football team, Alabama, the Crimson Tide. And the Alabama Crimson Tide, a lot of people are saying this is the the first complete team that Alabama is playing. I mean, you look at Alabama, they play Texas A&M, but would you call Texas A&M a complete football team? Probably not. I mean, Johnny Manziel is Johnny Manziel. Johnny Heisman is Johnny Heisman. But guess what? There's really not a good – there's not a defense there with the Texas A&M Aggies. Not a very good defense in Texas with, with Texas A&M. Just not. Ole Miss, they bring a defensive presence. They bring a team that plays defense. So that's going to be big. They actually play defense. Ole Miss, not like Alabama. Ole Miss plays defense. They play defense. And so it's going to be big. They're playing a complete team in Ole Miss. Should be interesting for Alabama. This might be even more of a test than Texas A&M, a game that had Alabama. I knew Alabama was going to win, and I knew the best quarterback in that game was not going to be Johnny Menzel because he was good, but A.J. McCarron, a two-time champion winner, a two-time NCAA champion winner. I mean, he's a winner. He's a winner. He's a two-time winner. Two national titles for Alabama. A.J. McCarron's is big, and he's going to be big today for Alabama. I think it's going to be another test for Alabama, and I think this is going to be a test they pass as I see Alabama win this football game. I just think in Tuscaloosa, they're just a better football team. Home, having them home really, really helps. But the thing about Alabama is inconsistency on the offensive side of football. They had some inconsistency. wasn't too great against Virginia Tech the first week of the season. And it wasn't really too great against Colorado State last week. One thing that's helped, that's helped this Alabama team is special teams and defense, which has been scoring for them this season. That's helped them. But offensively, even though they're averaging 38 points a game, they have been inconsistent. And they have to be a little more consistent on the offensive side of football moving forward. They have to be more consistent on the offensive side of football moving forward. But I think this is a game they get done to they get it done today. LSU, Georgia, another big game. How about Georgia? I mean Georgia has been in so many big games to start this season. I mean uh, big games in Georgia have been synonymous early in this season. And that's what, that that tells you how tough the SEC is. That tells you how tough this conference is. I mean, Georgia started out with Clemson. Now, and then the following week, they beat South Carolina, and they beat North Texas last week, a little bit of a break from the tough schedule they had the past three weeks. But, I mean, you look at this team, the Georgia Bulldogs, they are 
playing some tough teams, and that's going to prepare them against LSU. Plus, being at home helps them. LSU's 4-0. LSU is big time. But LSU hasn't played the schedule that Georgia has played to this point. They haven't. They haven't. They only played one ranked team, and that was TCU in the first week of the season. So they haven't played the type of schedule that Georgia has played. You have to say, advantage Georgia from the standpoint, Georgia knows what it takes, and Georgia has been up against some big-time teams. So I have to think you have to say, advantage Georgia. You have to say advantage, Georgia. LSU is big time. That Medenberger, big time. Big time. LSU, Les Miles, the Mad Hatter. It's going to be a big game for LSU. Can they do it? Can they beat Georgia in Georgia? That's going to be big. And this is going to be a big football game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. LSU in Georgia. I mean, Aaron Murray, he's been going through it, man. He's been going through it, playing some tough teams. I mean, Georgia with this game will become the fourth team in the BCS era to play to play three top teams in the first four games. So, Georgia's been up against it. They've been up against it. Could it be a situation where, okay, they played so many tough teams that, you know, they're beat up. They played so many tough teams that they just can't get up for it. There will be a situation that since they played so many tough teams, they're prepared. They know they know what it takes to, to beat a tough team, to beat a big-time football team. That's what it's going to take for Georgia. They're going to have to get it done. And to me, it comes down to quarterback play. Mettenberger, Murray, who is going to be bigger? Who's going to step up in this game? Who's going to step up and who's going to be larger in this game? I like Murray to be larger in this game. I really do. I think he has a lot to prove this season. And guys who have a lot to prove, in my mind, usually find a way to get it done. Usually find a way to get it done. I like Georgia today. It's going to be close. It's going to be big time. But I like Georgia in this SEC clash. Georgia gets it done today against LSU. Murray is going to be big in this game. Murray is going to be big time in this football game. I give the nod to Georgia in this game, but we shall see. This is why you play the game. This is why you play the game. I can tell you what I think. I can give you ideas of why I think the way I do, but the reality is this is why you play the game. A lot of great college football to be played today. And in the situation in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Wisconsin, Big game. Big game. Number 23, Wisconsin. Number four, Ohio State. The return of Braxton Miller. Everybody's talking about Guyton. Everybody's talking about Kenny Guyton and the numbers he put up. 
and he's put up some numbers. I can't deny what Kenny Guyton has done to this point. No one can deny 13 touchdowns and only two interceptions. No one. No one can deny that. Kenny Guyton has been big for Ohio State throughout the course of this season. But my question is, who has he done it against? Buffalo, San Diego State, California, Florida, A&M. I mean, these are not the big sisters here. You're talking a lot of little sisters of the poor. So 13 of his touchdowns, six of his 13 touchdowns was thrown against Florida A&M. Six of his 13 touchdowns were thrown against Florida A&M. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Kenny Guyton because six touchdowns is six touchdowns. But, you know, there's been talk, okay, maybe they'll split some time or or, or maybe Kenny Guyton keeps the job when Braxton Miller returns, which is expected to be today. I, I don't think you can do that. I, I don't think you can do that from the simple fact that you look at it, you look at this whole game, you look at this season, you look at Braxton Miller, many talk, talked about Braxton Miller in terms of a Heisman Trophy candidate. Many talked about Braxton Miller as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Kenny Guyton's numbers were good. Six touchdown passes all in the first half against Florida A&M, but that is Florida A&M. That's not Wisconsin. I think you got to go to Braxton Miller. And I think Braxton, this is Braxton Miller's team. You have to go to Braxton Miller, as far as I'm concerned. So I expect a big-time performance out of Braxton Miller today. And I expect a big-time performance out of Ohio State. And I think they roll. I think Ohio State rolls today against the Wisconsin Badgers. I really do. Though they have to stop Gordon, that's going to be big. Can they stop that Wisconsin rushing attack? Can you stop that Wisconsin rushing attack? And as far as I'm concerned, the first four weeks for Ohio State has been preseason football. Now it's time for the big time. Now it's time to play some conference games. Now it's time to beat the Wisconsin Badgers, and I think they get it done today. I want to go to the NFL now, and a lot of great games in the NFL. And I think the biggest game we have to look at in the NFL is probably Philadelphia and Denver. That's probably the biggest game tomorrow. That's the biggie. That's the biggie tomorrow. Denver 3-0 and coming off an impressive performance against the Oakland Raiders. The Philadelphia Eagles 1-2 coming off a loss against uh, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Philadelphia on a two-game losing streak. The Eagles, I think, will make this close. The Eagles, I think, will make this competitive. But I just don't think they'll have enough to beat. Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, to this point, have not made a lot of mistakes. Peyton Manning, only two, no, excuse me, zero interceptions. I was going to say only two interceptions. Zero interceptions. I was looking at Mike Vick's number, which was two interceptions. But Peyton Manning, only zero interceptions. Only zero. Only zero interceptions for Peyton Manning, meaning no interceptions. For Peyton Manning. None. And to me, I watched the Philadelphia Eagles, and the only way the Philadelphia Eagles, in my mind, can win this football game is if they make Peyton Manning make mistakes. They have to force 
Peyton Manning into some turnovers. It may not even be Peyton Manning. On special teams, maybe they have to get a turnover. In the run game, causing fumbles, force some fumbles from the wide receivers, force some fumbles from the running backs. They have to do that if they want to win this game. They have to be opportunistic on defense. And I look at the Eagles, and they're not going to – I mean, they had a decent performance against the Kansas City Chiefs. Ultimately, the Kansas City Chiefs were able to get five turnovers, and that was a big reason why they won that football game. But uh, San Diego really had a lot of success against the Eagles. Washington in that second half had a lot of success against the Eagles. And the Chiefs, I mean, Alex Smith was close to 300 yards, but he was aided by five turnovers. But even the Chiefs had some, you know, had an impressive performance. Not impressive, but the Chiefs were able to move the ball on the Eagles. They didn't score touchdowns, but they were able to move the ball. Alex Smith was able to throw close to 300 yards. Now, this is a whole different animal here in Denver. You have, first of all, Peyton Manning is your quarterback. That's your quarterback, Peyton Manning. Twelve touchdowns, zero interceptions. <clears throat> That's all you need to know, how good he's been. Twelve touchdowns, zero interceptions for Peyton Manning. So, he's been big. He has been big throughout the course of the season. I mean, he looked sharp in those weapons that they have in Denver. The Thomas brothers, Welker, Decker. They've had a great, great run. A great, great run. And ironically enough, the quarterback that Peyton Manning is facing, Michael Vick, also had a string and a run of 12 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. He also had a run. He also has a run, had a run of that nature. Michael Vick did it in 2010. So we know what Michael Vick is capable of. We know what Michael Vick is is capable of. We know, and in talking about Michael Vick capable of, you can even talk about the negative side, which could be the turnovers. But we know what he's capable of. And we know, other than the Kansas City game, Michael Vick has been nothing short of spectacular thus far this season. Other than what we saw in Kansas City. Other than what we saw in Kansas City. The key is, I mean, and people and, and teams are putting numbers up on the Denver Broncos. Teams are scoring against the Denver Broncos. They're scoring. They're putting some numbers up. I mean, Terrell Pryor had 281 yards. Terrell Pryor. Well, Michael Vick is a little better than Terrell Pryor. And, Granny, you have to look at it this way. You know, that game was, was, wasn't was really all that competitive. So he was forced to throw the ball a lot. But it was only 28 attempts. It was only 28 attempts. So I look at this Denver Broncos team, and you can score points on that. I mean, they're averaging close to 24 points a game defensively. They're giving up close to 24 points a game. Granted, they're scoring 42 a game. But they're giving up close to 24 points a game. Close to 24 points a game. And you look at this Denver Broncos team going for 
a, a record-setting 15 consecutive regular season win. They're, they're, you, you got to look at Denver, and, and you got to say this is probably a determined football team based off of what happened last year against the Baltimore Ravens, where they were the better football team, and unfortunately they lost the game. The reality is, as I said here all the time, I say here all the time, in the NFL, the best team doesn't always win. The best team does not always win in the National Football League, meaning winning championships. And winning, even winning games, this is the ultimate week-to-week league. This is week-to-week. One week you think you know this league, and then the next you realize you absolutely know nothing. I'm hearing, some, I'm hearing this talk. I'm hearing some people saying, that they believe the Eagles can win this game. I think the Eagles have a shot. I mean, I I do think they have a shot. My concern is, can this defense, this Eagle defense, which is not very good, can and, and but I will say this: they played decent against Kansas City. But can this Eagles defense limit Peyton Manning? Can this Eagles defense limit Peyton Manning? I don't know. I, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I had to say no. No, they can't. And actually, you really don't have to put the gun to my head because I'm just telling you flat out, I don't think they can. But here's what they have to do if they want to win. Turnovers, turnovers, and turnovers. And I'm not even talking interceptions. I'm talking because Peyton Manning has none. Doesn't mean he can't throw them, but at this point he has none. I'm talking, I'm talking, stripping the football. Stripping the football. Maybe winning that third phase of the game, which is special teams. If you have wide receivers in space, going for the ball, stripping it. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers is what they need if they want to win this football game. I think they could score with the Denver Broncos. But if you – I have to say Denver Broncos have the better defense. But it might not be that much better. It might not be that much better. Philadelphia giving up close to 29. Denver giving up close to 24 points per game. But one thing, one thing you have to say about these Eagles, they're moving the football. McCoy leading the league in rushing. They're moving the football. I think they'll be able to move the football tomorrow. I think they'll definitely be able to move the football tomorrow. And I think the Denver Broncos defense isn't as good as that Kansas City Chiefs defense. I mean, DeMera, Vaughn Miller's gone. Elmas Doomerville is in Baltimore. He's gone. So there is a chance and an opportunity for the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. There is a chance and an opportunity for the Eagles to win this game. I'm not prepared to say that they're going to win this game. I can't say that. I won't say that. I think I'd be a fool if I did say that. But what I am going to say is I think the Eagles will be competitive. I think you're catching Denver at a great time, coming off a Monday night victory. Eagles, having those nine, ten days to to prepare for this football game. So having the, the necessary time to get themselves ready for this game. Eagles have more prep time. Broncos coming off a Monday night. 
game against the Oakland Raiders. A lot of people are talking about the Broncos right now. I think this is a perfect time for the Eagles to go in there and get this victory. Not saying they're going to get it, but I think if this is that, the schedule makers have, have given the Eagles a little benefit here. <clears throat> you could argue they really didn't help the Eagles out too much when they had three games in 11 days, but I think they're helping the Eagles out right here, right now with the Denver Broncos coming off a Monday night game. And Peyton Manning talked about it. You know, we're coming off a Monday night game. The Eagles have all this time to prepare for us. So I think it does benefit the Eagles. I think the Eagles are getting the Broncos at the right time. I just can't see it. I can see the Eagles compete. I just can't see them winning. But to me, it comes down to turnovers. A, you have to protect the football of your Philadelphia and Michael Vick has done that for the most part, other than the Kansas City Chiefs game. He has protected the football. But I think the key here, the key here, if there's any key in this particular football game, the key here is you have, if you're the Eagles, you have to turn Peyton Manning over. If you can turn him over, you can win this game. And I'm not talking about that, and I said Peyton Manning, but I'm saying more specifically, if you could turn over the Denver Broncos as a whole, you have an opportunity because this Eagle team can put up points. This Broncos defense has allowed some points. So this Eagle team can put up points. You wonder now, and granted Denver's been in some games where they've been in control, you wonder is this defense and the amount of points and yards they're giving up, is that a byproduct of Denver being up and teams force, being forced to throw the football a bunch of times, or is that a byproduct of Denver not being a very good defense? That much we will find out this week. If you, I think it's the only way. I think if the Eagles, the Eagles, the key to me is you have to get off to a great start. This team is number first, number one against the rush, and they're 30th against the pass. Question becomes, byproduct of them getting out early on teams, or is that a byproduct of Denver not being very good against the pass? That we have to see. But, I, I mean, I'm just looking here and just looking at the – you look at the first game against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, I mean, the game was 17-14 at halftime, Ravens in the lead. And granted, Denver took it over in that third quarter. Denver took that game over in that third quarter, where they were 35-17 at the end of the third quarter. But the Ravens were able to put up points. I mean, at one point, the game was 24-42. to Denver was able to, I mean, Baltimore was able to move the football and, and had some effectiveness during that game. Ultimately, Joe Flacco ended it with 362, but he had two interceptions to go along with two touchdowns. Can't turn the football over against this team. You can't do it. You can't, you can't, you can't do it. Even against the New York Giants two weeks ago, week two, I mean, the Giants were in that football game throughout, and Denver finally took it over in the third quarter. Well, beginning in the fourth quarter. They kind of took it over. But the game was competitive for the most part. I mean, it was 24-16 at the end of the first, at the end of the third quarter, excuse me. But, you know, you look at those games, probably 
not a lot of opportunity to run the football. Giants only ran the ball 19 times in that game. And judging by the Giants' run game, and the Giants do not have a great run game, do not have a great running attack. So the Giants were forced to pass in order to be effective in this game. And Terrell Pryor, Terrell Pryor against the Denver Broncos, 281 yards. Threw for 281 yards, and granted, he was fighting an uphill battle. He was fighting an uphill uphill battle, but he still was able to throw, 280, throw for 281 yards. It's Terrell Pryor. This is Terrell Pryor. I mean, you're getting a guy in Michael Vick now who can give you both sides of the game. He can throw the football and he can run the ball. I mean, Terrell Pryor's was career high, 281 yards. That was his career high, his career best, 281 yards. Michael Vick is no Terrell Pryor. So the Eagles have a shot. Uh, bottom line is the Eagles have a shot. The Philadelphia Eagles have a shot against the Denver Broncos. Will they win it? Probably not. Do they have a shot? Yes, they do. Will it be competitive? Yes, it will. Will you be watching to the end? Because it will be competitive? Probably. It's going to be a good game tomorrow in Denver. Can the Eagles shock the world? I don't think so. But hey, what do I know? Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. And it's, the NFL is the ultimate week-to-week league. So it can happen. Will it happen? Only time will tell. I want to go to Major League Baseball now. You look at the baseball seasons winding down, and at this point, in both leagues, we all know who are the division winners. Now, in the AL, there's a battle for the wild card. In the NEL, it's a battle for home field advantage in a wild card game between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. But in the AL, it's a battle for the wild card spots, two spots, three teams. Tampa Bay, the Rays, and, in, and the Cleveland Indians are both 90 and 70. You got the Texas Rangers, 89 and 71. <clears throat> you look at it now. Here's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for chaos. And the only way chaos can happen is we need Tampa Bay. I need Tampa Bay and Cleveland to lose one. And I need Texas to win their final two. Texas is a game behind those two teams. So I need the Indians and the Rays to lose one, and I need Texas to win the final two. If that were to happen, if that were to happen, you would have Rays and Indians on Monday. That winner gets the first wild card. Then you would have a game on Tuesday between a winner and the Texas Rangers. And it would actually be Monday's loser and the Texas Rangers, excuse me, and that winner of that second game on Tuesday would get the second wild card spot. So let me go over it again just so you understand it, just so I understand it. If all three of these teams are tied, if all three teams are tied, Rays, Indians, and Rangers. Monday's game would be Rays Indians, 
in Cleveland. That winner gets the first wild card spot. They're done. The loser of that game plays Tuesday against the Texas Rangers. The winner of that game gets the second wild card spot. So you're talking about something that could be chaotic, interesting, and more importantly, fun. Would be fun. Two days, three spots. Who gets it? Who gets it? Well, I've been looking at this, studying it, to see what may happen. I don't think we're going to get that three-game tiebreaker situation. I want it. I hope it happens. I'm begging for it, but I don't think we'll get it. But if it were to happen, oh, how much fun we would have. But I look at the whole situation now. And right now, bottom of the fourth in Texas, the Rangers are actually up five and two. So, so far, they're handling their business. Top of the second in, uh, in Toronto, the Rays are up one nothing. So, Toronto's not handling their business, doing what I asked them to do to make this game chaotic. And then we have a delay right now in Minnesota with the Twins and Indians. But I think the Indians win the final two. And I think the Rays, I think the Rays win their final two. They lost last night to R.A. Dickey and the Tampa Bay, and not the Tampa Bay, and the Toronto Blue Jays. Today, J.A. Happ on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays. Escobar on the mound for Tampa. You have to say, you have to say, not Escobar. <laughs> Escobar's the shortstop. I can't even read. I can't even read. But J.A. Happ on the mound for the Toronto Blue Jays, Chris Archer on the mound for the Tampa Bay Rays. And you have to say, just based off numbers, advantage Rays. You have to say advantage Rays. But, again, it's in Toronto. Toronto won last night. Toronto has nothing to play for. You never like to play a team that has nothing to play for. They're loose. They're loose. They don't have a care in the world. Their only care is to destroy wild card hopes of Tampa Bay. Texas is handling their business right now. Handling their business up 5-2 to two early in that particular game. Handling their business. Handling their business. And Tampa Bay is doing it as well, up one nothing. How about I mean, Tampa Bay, no fan support. You look at that team, the attendance numbers, one of the worst in the league, in baseball. I mean, and they would have they've had some good teams over the years, and no one's watching, no one cares. The stadium is not great, but even if they got a good stadium, you think people would actually come out? You look at the Miami Marlins. I mean. They have a beautiful stadium, stadium, state-of-the-art stadium. It's not bringing people out. It's a bad product. And even when the Marlins were good, people still weren't coming out. Even when they would win a World Series, 
People still were not coming out. Florida, you just don't appreciate your teams, I said. Tampa, you don't appreciate it. In Tampa, and in Miami, with the Miami Marlins, you don't appreciate your team. Maybe you should just take those teams out of there. I mean, the Miami teams and the Miami fan base is just not good. Going to the Marlins now, and it's just not good. You look at those Heat games, some of the empty seats, and you have the uh, two of the best uh, players in the game. You got the big three in Miami, and teams aren't coming out there. You want back-to-back fans, I should say, aren't coming out there. You want back-to-back titles, and you're not getting the big-time fan support in Miami with the Marlins. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, Miami. You want all those titles, even with the Florida, the Miami Marlins, formerly the Florida Marlins. You want three ti- You want all these titles. Again, no one cares. No one cares. And then, and then, you have the Tampa Bay Rays, who've been a very, very good product over the years. No one's going out there. No one's watching. Miami. Tampa Bay, you don't deserve those teams. I know a lot of cities in the Northeast, New York, Philadelphia, who would love to have the teams that you have in Tampa, the team that you have in Tampa. And I know the stadium stinks, but you're not supporting a good product. It's a good product. Your team is good. I mean, even when the Phillies, we're playing in a vet. Back in 1993, they filled the vet. They filled the vet. And the vet was a dump. The ultimate dump. The dump of all dumps. But they filled it. Fans came out in droves to see the Philadelphia Phillies. Lenny Dykstra. Dutch Dalton and those boys. Crocky. They came out in droves to see him. No matter how bad the stadium is, they came out and supported because it was a good product. You have a good product in Tampa Bay. You had a good product in Miami. You're not supporting it. You're not supporting it. And Miami, there's no excuse in Miami. Granted, ownership has not been good in terms of just selling off everybody. But guess what? Ownership in Miami with the Marlins, you know, when they went for it, they actually won it. But they lost some money in the process, and they weren't willing to do that anymore. They got a new stadium, a new stadium, beautiful stadium, beautiful downtown stadium in Miami, and no one is going to support them because it's a bad product. And even if it was a good product based on history, I don't think anybody would be supporting it anyway. I don't think people would be supporting it anyway. The bad, 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 bad stadium. Bad product. Bad product. Bad product. But guess what? Guess what? The Rays have been effective over the years. The Marlins have won titles, but no one is going out to support it. Now, I know I'm kind of going off. Uh, topic here a little bit, but guess what? Uh, it's just, 
I'm just looking at how good the Rays have been over these years and looking what the Marlins have done, and they're both in Florida, and none of these, the, the fans aren't coming out to support them. Sad. Sad. And the Rays will probably get back to the playoffs this year. So I like the Rays. I think it's going to stay the way it is now. The Rays and the Indians to both get to the playoffs. This should be interesting from there. I'll take a look at that next week. Should be very interesting. The Rays and the Indians. Should be fun. Should be fun. Baseball, the playoffs are upon us. The playoffs are upon us. And let's stick in baseball. Mariano Rivera. What a class act. What a man. What a man. What a mighty good man. I mean, Mariano Rivera. Great, great run for the Los Angeles, not the Los Angeles, for the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees. Mariano Rivera, what a run he's had. It all came to a close, at least at Yankee Stadium the other night. Derek Cheater, Andy Pettit came on in, made the call to the bullpen, made the replacement. Mariano Rivera sat down for good in terms of Yankee Stadium, in terms of playing at Yankee Stadium. What a run. I mean, Joe Girardi tried to convince him to keep on playing. Like, hey, you still got some game left. Keep playing. You still have something to offer this game. You can still do it. You can still get it done on some level. Keep playing. Mariano says, no, it's time. It is time. It's time to move on. Time to go to another phase of my life. It's time. But Mariano Rivera, you don't hear anyone saying a bad word about this guy. You haven't heard one bad word said about Mariano Rivera. One word bad about this guy. You haven't heard it. You probably won't hear it. You probably won't hear it about Mariano Rivera. You just won't. 43 years young. 44 saves. Though he had seven blown saves. But 44 saves for a 43-year-old man. That's impressive. That's impressive. Probably the greatest closer of all time. No one has done it like Mariano Rivera. In so many pressure-packed situations, no one has done it like he has. No one. It's coming to a close now. Who knows? Maybe he changes his mind in the off season. Maybe he changes his mind. Maybe maybe he comes out and says, you know what? I feel like I can still play. I feel like I can still play. Why not keep going? And the thing about life, sometimes you have to know when to to let it go. But at the same time, that's so difficult when you still are playing at a fairly high level. If you're playing at a fairly high level, it's kind of difficult to walk away from something. If you can still do it at a fairly decent level, it'd be very difficult to walk away from it. It really has to be. 
I mean, the all-time career leader in saves. I mean, he's he's done it all. Won a bunch of titles. And one of the big reasons why they won titles is because of Mariano Rivera. It's because of Mariano Rivera. He's one of the reasons, big reasons, why the Yankees had the dynasty that they had in the 90s. One of the big reasons that the Yankees were dominant is because when you got to the ninth inning and you handed the ball over to Mariano Rivera, more often than not, more often than not, you won. You won. When you handed it over to Mariano, it was done. It was a done deal. And for five worlds, for five World Series, they handed it over to him, and he won them all. He's won five championships. They didn't win all their World Series, and he was on the mound for a tough one against the Arizona Diamondbacks back in 2001. He was on the mound for a tough one. But Mariano Rivera, how great he is. And this is it for him. That's his point. This is it for him. He's done. He's done. And what a great run for Mariano Rivera. What a great run for this man. What a great run for Mariano Rivera and all the things he's done for the Yankees and for Major League Baseball, being a class act, being a class guy. Kudos to Mariano Rivera. It wasn't a great to see, uh, and I'm not a Yankees fan, but it wasn't a great to see Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter going out there. you got to look at it, uh, you know, just look at it from the moment. It was a great moment, a great, great moment. Two guys who were a part of that era, that Yankee dominance, Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter, made the final pitching change for Mariano Rivera in New York. That was it for Mariano. In New York, he wants to play center field. I hope the Yankees give him an opportunity to do that. He wants center. He wants to play center field one time in his career, and it'd be care, better be careful what he wish for because he ultimately tore his ACL shagging fly balls in center field. So you better be careful. Be careful what you wish for. But he wants. He wants to go out and play center field. And I hope he gets the opportunity. Why not? Give him an inning. Give him an inning. Give him an inning in center field. Why not? He should go and get that inning in center field. He should get that inning in center field. I hope he gets it. I really do. We'll see what happens. But what a great career for Mariano Rivera. Let's stay in New York now. Let's stay in New York. Robinson Cano. Reports are Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano wants a new contract. And the contract that he wants, make sure you're sitting down. Ten years, 305 
million. Ten years, $305 million. Kano's been great. He's been great. He's been great. I mean, the guy over the last five seasons, 28 home runs, 102 RBI. Career, 309 hitter. He's been great. He's been great. But you give this guy 10 years, you'll be kicking yourself on the back end. You'll be absolutely kicking yourself on the back end. Slapping yourself in the face. The Yankees are slapping themselves in the face for what they did for Derek G, uh, Alex Rodriguez, $275 million. They're kicking themselves in the face for that. The Anaheim Angels are kicking themselves in the face for Albert Pujols, $240 million. I mean, I'm looking at here, and, you know, some of the teams, you look at Joey Votto, I'm here at ESPN.com. Joey Votto, first four seasons, his average, 312, 29 home runs, 96 RBI. After $225 million contract. After 10 years, $225 million, the numbers have dipped. The home run numbers have dipped. The RBI numbers have dipped. Troy Tulowitzki, 10 years. $157 million. Before the, the big deal, 305 average, 30 home runs, 90 RBI. After, 304 average. Average is about the same, but the home run numbers are down. The RBI numbers are down. Wow. Wow. A-Rod, of course, the 10-year, $275 million. First seven seasons, 304 average, 47 home runs, 130 RBI. He was on the verge of breaking Barry Bonds' record for home runs. He was supposed to be the clean home run champion. We all know he's dirty, very dirty. But ever since he signed that big deal, the numbers have dropped big time. Pool holes, same deal. Ten years, $240, $240 million. The numbers have dropped. 328 batting average, down to 275 after the deal. 40 home runs, down to 24 after the deal on average. RBIs, on average, down from 121 to 84. Do you sure you want to give Robinson Cano? And granted, it's probably not going to end that. It's probably not going to be through 10 years, 305 million. It's probably going to come down a little bit. But even then, how much is it going to come down? Would you get Robinson Cano 10 years, 275 million? I mean, what would you? What is a good number? I mean, reality is he's probably going to end up in the 200 million range. He's going to end up in the 200 million range. It's just the amount of years that you may have, the amount of years that you may have, whether it's 8, 10, or what have you, he's going to be in the $200 million range. He's going to be in that range. The question becomes, 
is he worth it? Is he going to be worth it when it's all said and done? Alex Rodriguez has not been worth it. Just hasn't. Albert Pujols has not been worth it. Those two teams, even you look at Ryan Howard, who's making $25 million a year. You look at that deal. Philadelphia Phillies are probably slapping themselves in the face for that deal. They would love to give him away if they could. Love to give him away if he could, if they could. I mean, Robbie Cano, 30 years old. So how much more of on average of 28 home runs and 102 RBI are you going to get from him moving forward? How much more? Is he worth it? Is he worth it is the question you have to answer. You look at Albert Pujols and you look at Alex Rodriguez, you probably made legitimate arguments that they were the best players in the game at the time. Can you say that about Robbie Cano? That's a question you have to answer. You give him that kind of money, you have to ask that question. It's a lot of money. He's going to get probably at least 200 somewhere, 200 plus somewhere. Where? Who gives it to him? We'll see. But since 2009, I mean, 25 and 2,000 home runs, 85 RBI, 320 batting average. 319 batting average in 2010, 29 home runs, 109 RBI. 2011, batting average, 302. Home run numbers, 128 RBIs, 118. 2012, 33 home runs, 94 RBI, 313 batting average. And this season, 27 home runs, 106 RBI. You can't argue with the production. 313 batting average. You can't argue with the production. He's coming into his prime. He's in his prime right now. He's in his prime. But is he worth that kind of money? Is he worth $305 million? Probably not. 250 is he worth it? Well, we've seen with Albert Pujols and we've seen Alex Rodriguez. It hasn't worked out. It has not worked out. So, does he get the money? Like I said, he's going to get it. It's just a matter of where and who. Who's going to give it to him? He's going to get it. He's definitely going to get it. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get it. He's not going to get three hundred million, I don't think, but somebody's going to pay him. Somebody is going to pay him. Somebody is definitely going to pay him. Just a matter of who. Like I said, the Phillies, even with a five-year, hundred twenty-five million dollar contract with Ryan Howard. Slapping themselves in the face. Ruptured his Achilles. A few seasons back. And then struggled the past two seasons. Well, he struggled to come back from the Achilles. And then this season he struggled through injuries. And ultimately he's been out for an extended period of time. His numbers have dipped. So we'll see. 
what the Yankees will do. We'll see if the Yankees are willing to pay three hundred to five million dollars for Robinson Cano. For Robbie Cano. We shall see. I want to switch gears now and I want to get you my take on Sports Illustrated top ten. Well, top 100 NBA players. You look at it. You look, my list is going to look a lot different than Sports Illustrated's list. My list is going to look a lot different than what Sports Illustrated's list looks like. A lot different. You'll get my list in a moment. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Top 10 NBA players. Top 10 NBA players. It's been a big talk this week. You know, Kevin Durant saying that Dwayne Wade doesn't belong in there. James Harden belongs in there over Dwayne Wade, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. But the reality is there are a lot of people, a lot of people who believe that Dwayne Wade is not a top-ten player. You almost have forgot. Y'all must have forgot what Dwayne Wade has done over the years. You must have forgot that he's been on back-to-back title-winning teams. Granted, he hasn't been the number one guy. He hasn't been the guy, but he sure was a few years back when he won in the 2006 against the Dallas Mavericks. He was the guy. He was one of the big reasons why. Shaq was still a big-time player, but Shaq wasn't the L.A. Lakers Shaq. And the reason they were able to win those NBA Finals is Dwayne Wade. It wasn't healthy. Dwayne Wade is still big time. When healthy. That's the key word. When healthy. He has not been healthy the last two playoff runs. But he's been healthy enough to put up some big time efforts to get the Miami Heat over. Here's the Sports Illustrated top ten. LeBron James number one. Can't argue with that. Kevin Durant number two. And I, I know Sports Illustrated they, they have various criteria uh for why they pick their list. My criteria is very simple. Who would I want to have on my team? Who would I want to have on my team? Bottom line, who would I want to have on my team top ten wise? Sports Illustrated's top ten, we look at it again. LeBron, number one, no arguments. Durant, number two, really can't argue with that. Chris Paul, three, I think that's when my list starts to change a little bit. Parker, my list changes there. Westbrook at number five, Tony Parker four, Westbrook, Russell Westbrook at five, Tim Duncan number six. I don't think I'm keeping Tim Duncan in my list. As a matter of fact, I know I'm not in my top ten. He's out. Dwight Howard's at seven, Dwayne Wade's at eight, Kobe at nine, Carmelo Anthony at ten. And on the outside looking in of the top ten, Curry at 15, Gasol at 14, Love at 13, Kevin Love, Derrick Rose at 12, James Harden at 11. Nowitzki at 16. You look at that. If you were to make that list, say what? 
three years ago, Dirk would be in the top ten. Dirk would have been in the top ten. You look at that list three years ago, Derrick Rose would be in the top ten. So these are guys who would have been in the top ten if you looked at the list a few years back, three years ago to be exact. Those guys would be in the top ten. James Harden, three years ago, or even last year, two years ago, he wouldn't have been in your top ten. Probably would have been in your top 20, but wouldn't have been in your top ten. Here's my top ten. I do put James Harden in there at number 10. James Harden goes in there at number 10. I take Tim Duncan out of my list. Tim Duncan is not Tim Duncan of, of um, many years ago. He's just not. He's still solid, but he's not the best player on the San Antonio Spurs. Tony Parker is the best player on the San Antonio Spurs. And Tim Duncan's had his moments, but if I said right now, if you're a general manager, and I offered you James Harden or Tim Duncan, who would you take? You'd probably take James Harden, especially after what we saw last season out of James Harden. But my top ten, I have James Harden in there at number ten. I have Dwayne Wade in there at number nine. I have Tony Parker in there at number eight. I have Melo in there at number seven. I have Chris Paul there at six. Westbrook at five. I'd rather have Westbrook over Chris Paul. What does Chris Paul want? What does Chris Paul want? I'd rather have Westbrook. Give me Westbrook. I'll take Dwight Howard there at four. Say what you want to say about Dwight Howard. On a bad back, he still put up big-time numbers last season in terms of rebound numbers and even scoring. Average double-double and still what led the league in rebounds. I'm going with Dwight Howard at number four. Kobe, even though he's coming off an Achilles, at number three, I'm still taking Kobe Bryant. Until Kobe Bryant shows me that he's dipped, and he's still he, he's not the same player, but he's still Kobe Bryant. He's still putting up big time numbers, and he's still a guy. If I had to pick as a general manager on my roster today, even today, I would take Kobe Bryant on my roster most definitely. Kevin Durant at two, and of course LeBron James at one. So I took out Tim Duncan. I added in James Harden. <clears throat> I moved Melo up. Move Chris Paul down a little bit. Move Westbrook up. Move Tony Parker down a little bit. Move Wade down a little bit. And I come up with my list. Dwight Howard, again, he led a team to the NBA Finals. He led the Miami Heat to the NBA, not the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic to the NBA Finals. He did it. He did it. His performance, his play was one of the big reasons. That was his team. He was the guy for the Miami Heat. He was the guy for the Miami Heat. And one of the reasons the Miami Heat, I keep saying the Miami Heat, Orlando Magic, excuse me, so caught up in the heat, but the Orlando Magic, one of the reasons Orlando Magic got as far as they did was because of what they got from Dwight Howard. That was his team. That was his team. Back in 2008, that was his team. That was his team. 2009, excuse me. That was his team. That was his team. And I said 2009. It's actually, yes, 2009. That was that was his team. And he was one of the big reasons why they were able to get to the NBA Finals. It was his team. It was his team. 
and we forget how good Dwight Howard was and is. We forget about it. <clears throat> we forget about it. We forget about it. We forget about some of the things Dwight Howard has done. He is, in my mind, a top ten player. He is a top ten player, and as far as I'm concerned, he's one of the better players in this game. Still the best center in football. Still the best, the best center in this game. Still is. Still is. Doesn't change as far as I'm concerned. Best player in this game. And, I, again, my list is about who would I rather have on my team. First off, I'd rather have LeBron more than anybody else. At this stage of the game, I'd rather have Durant second more than anybody else. At this stage of the game, I still would rather have Kobe third in front of anybody else. Dwight Howard, I'd rather have him fourth than anybody else. Westbrook, fifth than anybody else. Chris Paul, sixth. rather have him six layers down, six players down than anybody else. Mello, rather have him, seven players down. Parker, I'd rather have him, eight players down. D. Wade, nine players down. James Harden, tenth player. James Harden has gotten to my list. Dwayne Wade stays, but Tim Duncan goes. Dwayne Wade stays, Tim Duncan has to go. Tim Duncan had to go. He has to go. Timmy's big, has been big, has been big time, but he had to go. He had to get out of my list. Had to get out of my top ten. Had to get out of my top ten. I mean, you look at Tim Duncan over the last four seasons, 2009, 2010, 17 points per game, 10 rebounds a game, double-double. But hasn't the average a double? And granted, he was close to a double Double on average last season, 17 and 9.9. So you can basically say 17 and 10. But he hasn't been a double-double guy over the last three seasons. Has not been a double-double guy over the last three seasons. He's big time, but I can't put him in the top ten. I can't. I, I, I have to take him out. I have to take him out. I have to. And granted, I'm putting James Harden in there off of one season. I, I am. But that one season was a tough big-time season, was a big-time season for James Harden. He really proved what he is. He really proved what he is. He really showed that he is a decent NBA player, on the verge of superstar NBA player. He's a star at this point. But he's on the verge of superstar status. He really is. He is on the verge of superstar status. Close, as far as I'm concerned. We'll see what happens this year. <clears throat> and since Dwight Howard's in the mix now, he's probably going to be playing a lot of competitive basketball games. He's going to be playing a lot of – he played some playoff games last season, but he's going to play some big-time games this season. Houston's going to be a very good basketball team. He's going to play some big-time games this season. 
big-time games. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see the next step of James Harden. It's very interesting to see what he has this season. Very interesting to see how well he'll play this season. It's going to be different. He's not going to sneak up on anybody this year. I'm not saying he snuck up on people last season, but he was big last season. He really stepped out of the shadow in a lot of ways. He really did. He stepped out of the shadows in a lot of ways. Should be interesting what happens with James Harden this season. Should be interesting to see if he continues on the path that he's continuing on. We shall see. When we come back, we're going to be joined by former Major League Baseball player Wes Chamberlain, who has a new book new book out, excuse me, in the game. We're going to talk to him about that new book. You listen to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around, too. I yeah, just don't know yeah, what you're capable of. Come on, Come on, now. Come on, now. That's all. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. We're going to bring in a guy now. Six Major Leagues baseball seasons out of this guy. I remember him with the 1993 Phillies, and I'm a Philadelphia guy, and, and I remember him with the 1993 Phillies, and I remember that team. I have so many fond memories of those 93 Phillies. Oh, they didn't win. They got close. They didn't win, but they got close. They should have won. Game four of the World Series still bothers me to no end. They should have won. They should have won that series. They really should, but it didn't happen. It is what it is. Let's bring him in now, a guy who has a new book out in the game, former Major League Baseball player, Wes Chamberlain. Wes, how are you, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing Thanks fine. Thanks for jo- you, Doing well. Thanks for thank joining us. Thank you for having me. You- thank you. Wes, you have a new book out in the game. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's uh, a, a new biography uh, about myself. It's in a three-part form. This is part one in the game. Uh, the book is... Uh, um, a biography, you know, I've been talking to people and, um, you know, for probably, I want to say roughly every time I have a conversation, being, uh, you know, the type of person I am, someone's always getting around and saying, well, man, you should write a book. So, uh, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I never thought about it. So, I mean, just up until uh, a couple of years ago, uh, well, a year and a half, because it took me uh, a year and a half to print it, but I was through with it with about six to eight months, so... And uh just went on here and went through some final little things because everything I did, I did it by myself uh, uh, through my book coach instructions. So, you know, I, it's out. Uh, it's part one of a uh, three-part series uh, of my life. And uh, 
you know, I just want to share that with everyone. So what made you put it in three parts? Why the three parts? Well, it's something like that the book hopes uh, instructions, you know, like uh, in this age, um, uh, nobody's really, everybody's at a fast pace, Paul. So, you know, okay. I took, took it to heart. You know, like I'm saying, that's why I got a book coach. That's why I bought a book, read it just like a kindergarten, you know, and did all the steps and everything like what she say. You know what I mean? And, and, and then I have age. We're not we're not like that as a society. Everybody wants this instant thing, you know, this microwave right. thing. And and I and as and as the points as I was reading those points in her book and and as I followed the steps when I went to the library and saw people's biography, you know, it was true. I mean, you know, you can't put it all you can put it all in one book, but no one's gonna sit there and read four hundred pages. Three hundred right. pages, you know what I mean? So she, you know, instructed to do it in 100 pages or less, and uh, hey, do it in three parts. Do your bio like that, and then this will uh, help you form your your writing skills and help you become a, a author and a writer of uh, many books to, to come. And I was like, wow, if I do do that, and as I started doing it, I mean, there's a lot of things that that have come up, that uh, ideas that I could come up uh, for the future reference after I do the book. So that was the reason why I did it in three parts. Now, you talked about your writing improving over time. Where is your writing at this point? Where do you see your, yourself as a writer? Well, I'm just beginning, you know. I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the uh, what uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I want to say Bill Berber uh, said, taking baby steps, and uh, okay. what about Bob? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is, this is me, you know what I mean? This, I'm not... Uh, I'm, I'm open for all suggestions and everything. I mean, because it's just like uh, life, you know. Whenever you start something, I mean, I ain't perfect and I ain't perfected, but, I mean, hey, you got to start somewhere. So why not start and then, hey, being a writer, you can live any way you want. I mean, I ain't got to be locked down, you know what I mean? So, And I, and I want to start traveling in my – I don't want to be sit back being bored, man. So, hey, right. you, you be the judge of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I see you laughing. <laughs> what kind of feedback have you gotten to this point? So far, so good. I mean, it's from the ones who've uh, read the um, the uh, the intro on Amazon. You know, uh, the um, the theses, the uh, introduction, the uh, acknowledgments. I mean, I've got some uh, really, really, it's some prizes. I mean, people really like uh, took to the writing. So I'm really okay. shocked. I'm really surprised myself that it's positive, more positive than any negative. Now, now, what about your life makes it so exciting? Obviously, you played in the Major League Baseball for six seasons, but why would somebody want to pick up this book and read about West Chamberlain? Well, this book is to motivate, mentor, and to be a testament to anyone who reads it. And, you know, and hope to uh, encourage you when things ain't going well or is planned in your life. You know, I, I, and I say, look, Look at me. Why not you? You know, if it could happen to me, why not happen it for you in life? And I want to be able to give back, and this is my way of giving back. You know, so many people have blessed me along my way, and this is my way of giving back, you know, so that I can, you know, stay in contact with people. You know what I mean? Stay in and, and not not looking for, uh, 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 not looking to be the, uh, the best writer or the best seller, but if that come, that comes, and that's the same way that you have, that you have uh, being an athlete. You know, you, your goal, your dream is to become a professional athlete. But all the Hall of Fame and the All Stars and things like that, 
you're not really planning to do that, even though some people, you know, shoot for it. But, hey, my goal was just to make it in life, just to make it to the major leagues to where right. the odds was a billion to one. <laughs> you know, now, so you, that's the same thing I would like to do. We're talking to former Major League Baseball player Wes Chamberlain. When did you realize that when, – when did you realize in your life that – being a major league baseball player was a legitimate option for you. Well, I mean, I, it's what I wanted to do. So, I mean, when I first went to Comiskey, Comiskey Park uh, to see the White Sox play, I mean, bam! I saw the men down on that field in that stadium. They was like, "Wow, I want to do that." So, that was already like in sketch, you know, in my heart. I wanted to do that. So now, it's just going through life, uh, you know, growing up and just. You know, learning how to play the game and uh, just dealing with everything that comes with everyday things, but really focusing on this is what I really want to do. How do I do it? So, like I'm saying, writing a book was just like uh, just looking back on on my steps of uh, going through grammar school, high school, and then trying to get a scholarship and, you know, uh, better yourself on in life and put yourself in the uh, best position that you can uh can uh, move forward after uh, growing up seeing a lot of other guys, athletes before me, uh, right. going off to college and getting drafted out of high school. You know, hey, I could do that. And that's, you know, that's how I just, uh, when you start seeing certain things uh, come uh, come to pass, and it just encouraged you yet even more to keep pressing on. So that's what, that's what, uh, that's when I knew it. Uh, that was when I was really ready to pursue the dream. What's the highlights of your career? I mean, six seasons in Major League Baseball, you've been to a World Series. What was the highlight of West Chamberlain's six-year Major League Baseball career? Playing in the World Series, no okay. doubt. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it don't, it, doesn't get better. it don't get better than that, man. I mean, the ultimate would have been the one to win the World Series. But, hey, right. I'm, just, I'm just thankful and grateful. You know, that's it, you know. And – Let's go to that 93 season, and that was a that Phillies team, a very interesting team. You had a lot of characters in there, Dykstra, Dutch Dalton, Tommy Green, uh, Danny Jackson, John Cruck. I mean, so many different cast of characters with that particular baseball team. Any any funny stories that come out? What, what's, what was the highlight? Any, any highlight of that particular year? Well, I was I was doing a show yesterday with uh, Mascaro uh, Radio. I'm a Mark okay. Mascaro, uh, Chris Mascaro, and Dutch Dalton has a saying that he just brought me enlightened with. And he was saying the best things can't be told, right? <laughs> Those are the okay. <laughs> So I'm not going to dodge. As I told Chris, I'm not. I mean, I I'm not going to dodge the question. But the best things just can't be told. So that season in particular was a dream because we went from from worst to first, from last to first until the World Series when we was picked to be dead last. So all the other things that we had camaraderie with, there's no one thing. I mean, it it just started as spring training. And, uh, you know, it was a fight. I can just tell you what kicked it off. It was a fight that I happened to be involved with uh, because I got hit. <laughs> it's spring training, and uh, hey, hey we, you know, one thing led to another, man, and we cleared the benches with the carton. So, <laughs> and, and then, you know, that was the point. It was like, hey, enough. We ain't gonna, we ain't gonna, uh, we ain't gonna take it no more. We ain't laying down, you know. <laughs> and so, and that's, and, and you know, that's that's just the way 
just the way it happened. <laughs> now, do, do, do you keep in contact with with any of, of the guys from the '93 team? Well, staring off it. I mean, we just had that reunion this year, uh, last right, month right, in right. August. So that was awesome. Years. But twenty years, Fred, yeah, twenty years exactly. And it was awesome to see everyone that a whole team. So you know, we you know not not on a frequently. You drop a dime okay. here and there just to say hey. An email, hey, we still alive. Okay, yeah, good to hear from you, bro. You know, God bless, but not on a regular basis. Okay. 93 World Series, game four. You guys up in that particular game. Ultimately, you will lose 15 to 14. You still watch that game? Have you watched that game? <laughs> no, nah, I haven't watched that game. <laughs> I mean, nah, you know, nah, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it comes on, I'll definitely watch it, but. I mean, hey, you know, it is what it is, man. And uh, <laughs> some things, you know, you hurt, it hurts. But, you know, I mean, hey, you can't pin it on, on that. I mean, because we still had another opportunity and then, right. you know, that loss. So, I mean, that's what and that, that's what the series is all about, you know. Right. Because, I mean, you can't pin it on one game, you know. Hey, you got four games to do it in seven chances. I mean, hey, the best team wins. And hey, the best team won on that on those games. And I mean, that's what the game has to be played, you know. Do you really truly believe that the best team won? I mean, I look at that series, and to me, you guys had a lot of opportunity. Go ahead. Well, Paul, I think the best team won on that day. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, on that day. Now, I granted. I mean, we we uh, we felt that we were the best team. But okay. what I'm saying is that the game has to be played. And so, you know, the, the errors, the you know, all the things that, that, that you have to do to win the game, I mean, right. and that's what I love about the game. Yeah, you know, like I'm saying, they they were they were defending world champions, and that's right. the first time they won the back-to-back. I mean, so, hey, we weren't even picked to be there. So, like you say, I don't feel the best team won, but the best team won on that day. Right. To take nothing away to, from Joe Card and them. We're talking to former Major League Baseball player Wes Chamberlain. He has a book out in the game. Make sure you go get that great, great book. Now, Wes, real quickly now, 1993 game six, Joe Carter hits the home run. What's your reaction once the ball goes over the fence? Take a throw. I just sat there. I just sat there. Right. And I was numb. I was numb. That's how it was. I didn't move. I, I mean, it's like I was looking at them celebrate, but I I, I didn't see them celebrate. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I guess you could say I was like a deer in the headlights. Right, right, right. <laughs> now, when that sure, comes... Go ahead. Go ahead. I said, well, I'm pretty sure there was quite a few guys like that, too. A lot of us that were sitting uh, in my section. Right. I mean, we just couldn't right. believe it. Yeah. Now, every time that comes on TV, do you turn your head? Oh no, no. Okay. I mean, no, I don't. I mean, I, it's 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 an honor. You you talking to a kid from the streets of Chicago, man? Right. I mean, and and it's like I said. I mean, I'm I'm reminded by LeBron's speech after he won that second title. You know, he's like, I'm not even supposed to be here. You know, I'm I, you right. know. What are the odds of me standing here? And here I am, you know. And so I'm grateful, and I'm giving God all the glory and all the praise, which is also in that book, because the book is also 
an accessory to the Christianity religion that I live today. So, you know, it's I mean, I'm I'm grateful, you know, because that right there to be a part of, no one can take it away. Hey, my name is in the books, and I, and you know, not you know, it, it is just it's awesome, you know. You right. got Hall of Famers who never played in the uh, World Series, so True. that's another thing. So I look at it from everything from a positive perspective. Yeah, we lost. Now, but yeah, it was great. Okay. You talked you talked about your religion, Christianity, how important it is for you. And I'd always like to ask this philosophical question because I I truly do believe that God does care who wins games. To me, I think it does matter. I know a lot of people say it doesn't matter to God; it's just a game. To me, it does matter. Your opinion on that? Well, I mean, uh, sometimes the word there's a word to say all things work together for the good to them that love God. And so, you know, it's, why do bad things happen to good people? Or why do the good die young? You know what I mean? We have these questions and we don't get no answer. But see, in, according to God, God knows all. He sees all and he knows all, but it's according to your faith. So by losing that game, you know, I can say, why did we lose? Why did we do this? Why is that? But I can take it and say, okay, well, we lost. And, hey, I can still move on with my life and, and make something else out of it. I can't on the losing side, you know, because in games, everybody's not going to win as a loser and as a winner. Right. So I look at it from that way, from the Word of God, to say all things work together. Because somebody who might drop dead, you know, at 40 years old, why did that happen to him? He was in excellent shape, and he had a massive heart attack. And that just happened to uh, my brother-in-law two weeks ago. And okay. so what I'm saying is that, yeah, you know, so, I mean, it's kind of why, but I'm not going to say why, because I'm just going to say, Lord, you know all things, and I just ask for your strength, and I, I need your peace to help me in this grieving time with my wife, because, Lord, I don't know why. And I ain't going to get that answer from nobody right here, but I can only take it to God in prayer. So, and that's just keep on working it and keep on uh, believing it, the positive side of it, Paul. The book is called In the Game. The author is Wes Chamberlain. Now, Wes, where can fans find information about this great book that you have out right now? It's at Amazon.com. And so uh, uh, right now, I mean, uh, I put it on there. I follow the book, Coach Instruction. I am going to do a print-on-demand. I'm going through some marketing setups um, right now because uh, the thing is is that from the instructions – is to get it going online first, get it going, and you okay. know, because uh, the number one thing online that sells are books, according right. to instructions, and I started doing the homework and the research, she ain't been wrong yet, her name is Judy Cullen, you know, she's, okay. and I'm promoting her because, because uh, I can get royalties also by promoting her, so, you know, I mean, hey, the proof is in the pudding, <laughs> man. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Wes, pleasure talking to yeah. you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Well, hey, uh, hey, I'm open, man. Uh, it was great to be a spontaneous re- uh, responder from you. So I thank Definitely. you very much. I thank God. I thank the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I thank, uh, thank you for my beautiful wife, Melvina, you know, and my family. I got five kids, West Jr., Elon, Naomi, Miriam, and Sarah. So, you know, I thank God for that, man. We've been married, uh, this will be 20 years, man. We've been together since high school. Since 1983, wow. yeah, so wow. it's been a blessing. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm grateful.
if a guy can keep that together, Paul. So you've been married for 20 years, right? It's been 20 years, since 1993. Wow, 93 was a great year. I wish I was you in 93. I mean, 93 was a great, great year to be West Chamberlain. (laughs) Well, thanks for the compliment, man. But, hey, man, I know you ain't a bad person at all, man. (laughs) I I try not to be. I try not to be. (laughs) Yes, sir, man. I mean, you know, I'm sorry, but I was about to say, I mean, you know, with some guys, like I said, I want to be Muhammad Ali, but when I got older, I said, you know what? I'm glad you made me be, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that so, is a great thing to be West Chamberlain. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yes, sir. West Chamberlain, former Major League Baseball player. Pleasure talking to him. Got a new book out in the game. Make sure you check it out, Amazon.com. Support some of the great things. West Chamberlain has going on. Interesting. I mean, it was kind of a trip down memory lane, 1993 Phillies and that whole conversation and that that whole, you know, World Series, still painful to this day. It's gotten better since 2008 when the Phillies finally broke through, but still a little painful. It's gotten a lot better, but painful. But the Phillies ultimately broke through in 2008. I'm a lifelong Philadelphia fan, Phillies, Sixers, Flyers, Eagles. I love them all. I want to thank West Chamberlain for stopping by. Make sure you go check his book out in the game at Amazon.com. We were also supposed to be joined by Captain Munnerlyn from the Panthers. That didn't work out. We're going to look to reschedule him at a later date. But you can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Follow us on Twitter Go for it, Gant. Also, you can hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com, slash user, slash go for it, Gant, where you can hear some great, great interviews over the years on this great, great show. We've been at it for three years, and we're still pushing it and, and still moving forward. But, again, support blogtalkradio.com, slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows, and also go to youtube.com, slash user, slash go for it, Gant, where you can listen to this show and other great, great shows. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend and a great week. See you later. Take care. Bye.